Welcome to Morons of the Multiverse. For our inaugural recording back in January of 2022, Mike McGarry and myself recorded a conversation first about our origins and our friendship, and let that be followed up by our debut episode as intended, The League, which is our collection of insanely badass, awesome characters that exist in the Marvel Cinematic Universe without superpowers. The normies, if you will. But you'll hear more about that in this here episode. Hope you dig it, y'all. Oh my god, he pulled you off? Flips and stuff. We may be battles, yes, but if I'm bored, what are you? Okay, uh, uh, alright, alright, alright. Stop, 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 stop. If we say that, they won't keep listening. Morons of the Mothers. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all the ages. I'm Derek Weber. And I'm Mike McGarry. And we are the Morons of the Multiverse. Today we're going to um, go ahead and discuss some fun stuff. We're going to discuss ourselves. We want to start out and give you a brief little lay of the land of the friendship that spawned this podcast. And kind of give you a, a bit of a glimpse behind the curtain into the type of dudes we are before we just start pontificating wildly about why Doctor Strange's cape is in fact one of the greatest characters in the MCU, which we'll get to in a future episode at some point, I'm sure. Yeah, or why there's a character that doesn't have any speaking lines or a face. It's also the best creature in the MCU. We have a lot of real fun stuff to go to, but we first want to kind of acclimate ourselves with you today and kind of give you a background of why we're even fucking doing this. Yeah, here's a little how do you do for all of yous. How you doing? So Mike and I here met in the seventh grade... In middle school, instantly became pals in our shared classes and discovered that we lived about a quarter mile down the road from one another as well. So we were, in fact, able to, like, ride bikes to each other's houses and stuff like that and not have to rely on our parents to give us rides, which makes friendship a lot easier at that age, you know? As Derek was saying, we were able to, you know, have a very close relationship very quickly, uh, being that we were so close there, had so many classes together. We had, like, the whole homeroom thing. Right, so we had like the same homeroom, so then you have all of the same other classes throughout the days, except for whatever your elective was or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However but, middle school shakes out. We're yeah, old man. men. We don't really remember those days that well. It's weird. Sitting uh, here at a crispy 34. <sighs> oh, oh, 34, and it's been, yeah, I mean, it's weird to think that it's been like 20 years, you know, since we were there. But, you know, we had that. We had caring and sharing. So, you know, just a way for us to have after school activity. after school activity yeah. that we were both a part of because the most kind woman neither of us have ever met, one formerly Miss Rios turned Mrs. DeRocher in our time under her tutelage. Just saying. Shout out Mrs. DeRocher out there. We love you. Absolutely. And then uh, choir. I mean, choir. that was, I, th- I feel like it took me, I think it was eighth grade that I got you into choir. Is that not you correct? You did. Yeah, yeah, you had to swing me in. And yeah. uh, I fell in love with singing like instantly and it became a pretty major part of the rest of my life after that i was gonna say i think you kept up with it. honestly you kind of kept up with it in a way longer than i did i mean i think i well, you switched to guitar of, 
Right, and I dropped, yeah, I dropped choir in, I think, 11th, 11th grade. Yeah, your so, musical yeah. outlet became the guitar. Pretty much, yeah. Whereas my arthritic, crippled-ass hands were not ever able to play a guitar. I didn't say I could play a guitar. I mean, that's when I started trying to play the guitar. <laughs> Made my way through it. <laughs> so, yeah, so we, you know, obviously we have this, you know, this connection, really. We, you know, we kind of are those dudes that just kind of, like, do everything together. Uh, I remember one of my favorite nights funny enough was the night that we got food poisoning so like yummy's pizza yummy's pizza <laughs> was not yummy we were what, like 15 or so 14, 14 or so yeah and we get this terrible new pizza place in town and both of us were just in the separate bathrooms of my household for uh battle the shits, dude. couple hours yeah. it was just back and forth man like you'd get that rest you know, where you could just go and sit. That was my sit. first ever bout of food poisoning. Oh, it's absolutely same here. before that? No. Nope. No. Nope. That was uh, my first that I could remember. That's Hey, sure. well, you know, glad we could bust our food poisoning cherries together, buddy. Yeah, no, it was uh, great and not great, but we, as fucked up as that was, we had uh, so much fun, man. Like, I just remember that still being awesome. And, like, I can still wax poetic on it, you know, 20 years later. <laughs> I, too, uh, overall remember that night fondly in spite of emptying myself through both major orifices for several <laughs> hours. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a truth fact, my friend. I, I believe that pizza was made of cottage cheese. Just, oh, yeah. I could be wrong, but oof. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, and, like, not well-refrigerated cottage <laughs> cheese. Like, cottage cheese that had been, like, sitting out most of the day additionally. And had, let's just say, extra cottagey. It was it was very cottagey. Very um, cottagey. For context, this place that we ordered from, your parents gave us money to buy pizza. We were by ourselves, and so we were like, I don't fucking know. What are we ordering? So we order from this place that turns over every, like, two years. Yeah, it's like this just, like, dump spot. There's been, like, nine other restaurants and since it was Yummies. And now it's, and like, a Leo's Coney Island. five others before that. Yeah, right now it's some weird Coney Island that no one ever goes to. No, ref- uh, yeah, no offense to that. Uh, by the way, if you'd like to sponsor our show. Yeah, shout out to you guys. Yeah. yeah, if you want to prove us wrong... Have us on. We'll do a live feed from you if you want to feed literal us for free. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll literally feed ourselves yeah. for free if you want us to. I feel like we went in there recently, but yeah, we'll go over that another time. On our other podcast, which is Mike and Derek do the diner. Do the diner. Ooh, Ooh doggy. Feeling it tonight. So I think maybe I'll I'll ask you, Derek. I mean, where did you really start to get into these kind of things? So, like, when did you start to? When did your nerd dumb start? I'll I'll start with that. So, there's a few phases that I think I'd give a lot of credit to in this regard. The first phase is video games. I mean, in terms of pulling me into a long narr- long form narrative, compelling me with stories that were grand. And mm-hmm. one of the early ones for me is Zelda: Ocarina of Time. And then the continued Legend of Zelda franchise. This longer storytelling, these crazy uh, race invented races, and these vast worlds. You know, you get sucked into all these video game narratives, and you start really craving fantasy in, in your storytelling. Um, another area... I, I was into Star Wars when I was a kid, but I didn't really get super into Star Wars until my teenage years. It was definitely something that the... Episode two, I I rewatched all the old ones before episode two came out. And I'd seen Phantom Menace in the theater, and that was a dumpster fire overall. <laughs> and you know, all you Phantom Menace defenders out there, the I love sucks. that I love that you love it, and I'm happy for you. I just don't. Yeah, it's 
you can call it what you want. Yeah. And but you I, could, yeah, if you're a kid and stuff like that, I guess I could see where you'd pull that from. But I feel like we were... We were like preteens to teenagers. Right. So we were also an age susceptible to hating on things. Yeah, for sure. That's clear as well. Yeah. You know, like, Mike and I also were really into the Jackass franchise and CKY2K and all things surrounding those assholes doing bodily harm to themselves. Yeah. For our entertainment. It was pretty fun. Yeah. Like it was a, a fun era. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was a terrible... Yeah, it's terrible. Oh, it's terrible stuff. But it was a lot of fun for us as, like, 13-year-olds. Yeah. No, it's great. Yeah, so I, I doubled back to the original trilogy of Star Wars before Attack of the Clones came out. Mm-hmm. And that time through, by then I had become I had been a, a big pro wrestling fan for a few years, so there were certain areas of melodrama that I was really falling in love with. And Star Wars has a bit of that melodrama. Like, yeah. say what you want to about it. It's not grounded storytelling. No. It is melodramatic as hell. For sure. In cool ways. No, it's a good time. But I fell in love with the original trilogy in a real way at that point. I'd also loved the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but I certainly wasn't the Tolkien fanatic that some folk are of the world. The Spider-Man trilogy. And those were kind of all things that were peripheral to me. Like, I always enjoyed them, but I wasn't watching them over and over again. I just was like, oh, that's a cool new action movie I'll see in the theater, and I enjoyed the universe, and then I'd move along. Yeah, did things in passing. Yeah. Uh, For me... When I really started to notice that I really wanted to watch these films over and over again, was the early run of the MCU where you hit Avengers, and then you have a swing and miss or two with Thor Dark World and Iron Man 3, and then it goes Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy, Age of Ultron, and and then Ant-Man, as as that, that four film stretch of the MCU was what pulled me into... Really what's been an obsession ever since with this universe and has been for years. That four film stretch I give so much love to because that's where I think the MCU as a whole really found its shared voice. Like each film can have their their subgenre they're exploring and each of the heroes can have their own dynamics and their own different types of trauma and all the things they can explore. But there's this general feeling in the air that it starts to form in that four film stretch that go that phase three perfects that to me really is the MCU. Yeah, you have a it, it, there's definitely a different lineage to both. You know, if you uh, like the beginning doesn't seem like it really totally kind of connects. It doesn't have that synergy. But once you start getting up to that, like you said, phase three, really where the, the cohesiveness comes up. And yeah. then all of phase three. Phase three. I, I just, I think phase three is the most complete. The first time that you get through an entire phase where you don't really, honestly, you didn't really have any duds. Like every one of those movies are A plus. I mean, they're stellar. Yeah. So that's I mean, my favorite part of it. If you want to sure. call like Captain Marvel's the dud of Phase Three, if you really have to point one out, and but even that is still like a middle of the pack Marvel movie. Right, me. it's still middle of the pack. So there's that's... still stuff I absolutely love about it. It's far from my bottom tier. Right, it's just not amongst the heavy hitters that I consider the best. No, I get that. Yeah, but, but the... I guess those were kind of most of my nerddom starting fan points. If I was to really think about it in that way. I guess shout out the Nolan trilogy of Batman films as well, but that's, that's a whole different type of thing than this. Sure. Um, you know, like for myself, you know, you had touched on Star Wars. I don't think anybody who is, you know, my age, 34 years old, hasn't had some kind of run-in with Star Wars. I think I feel like that that's something that, you know, is kind of ingrained in our culture at this point. I personally 
you know, when it came to the Star Wars franchise, the, you know, first initial trilogy, that's something that I was indoctrinated in. Like, <laughs> I think my mom was watching that constantly when I was like three or four. And from there on, um, that's just kind of been a lifelong thing. You know, Phantom Menace comes out. All of those, like within that trilogy there, you know, I was at every premiere. My uncle, I, my uncle had like a tradition with us. He lived down in Florida. So, oh, that's a really cool tradition. I love yeah. that. Well, and that kind of, like, you know, leads into, like, my Lord of the Rings as well. Like, he lived in Florida, so he only got to come up here every so often. And that was one of the things that we would do. He'd come up, and we'd go see, you know, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, or Star Wars. You know, any one of those. And, funny enough, my mom kind of continued this tradition later. I'm sad that it got wasted on the newer Star Wars uh, movies, but we, you know, made that tradition to go and see most of those together. Which one of them was good? The first, you know, first, first of that was actually really good. One and a half of those are good. Yeah, there's a good half of that second one, but the the, the, the last one is wanna so see, bad. Want to hear what's funny about that? It's Reverse that for me. Really? I mostly really like the second one, minus okay. t- there's two core things I hate. Yeah, there's a and lot I, of that There's movie two I core things with. I hate, possibly more than anything I hate in any other Star Wars movie. <laughs> so yeah, I got, all right, you know what? No, I'm going to stand by, I'm with you actually. I just, overall, like episode seven. Yep. Eights. Love. Yeah, it's got parts. Two different half-hour stretches of eight. What's funny is the one with eight, I think we both agreed, it's the stuff that people complain about that I see. I really liked, you know, the Casino Planet. Oh, I love the Casino Planet. Like, that whole entire scene is really that fun. That whole story is, in a rare way, grounded. As I mentioned, Star Wars is often not. They're, in spite of the pageantry and the brightness and all these, like, the wealth. That's the point. It's a, it's a good broad display of the benefactors of this global war that's been going on for right. or this uh, interstellar war that's been going on for generations that we've been being told about right and you're seeing that oh yeah no there are super wealthy motherfuckers in this universe and they're all just the spoils of war they're yep. all just the people that benefit from all this turmoil between the light and the dark. And, like, that storytelling is glitch. Well, yeah, Benicio Del Toro's character comes in there. Um, and, you know, he's just, like, basically, yeah, you want to see my clients? Here. Here's these guys. You know they're bad. Here's the other guys. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, that's, again, there was some really good storytelling in there. They couldn't resist some certain fan servicing, and I won't get too far in that. So yeah. that's really what we ended up with there. Yeah, we're not here to do the Star Wars waxing poetic. It's just no. it is foundational to our to all people in our ages <laughs> fandom to some degree. So yes, obviously it's ingrained in us still. We're right. totally here for it. So and I'm gonna be you know a little bit further too with like the Batman movies, like I you know Batman Forever. The original Batman, like Tim Burton ones, with, or Michael Keaton, all of them. Like I've seen, I've watched the bad ones, saw those in theater. Like I, I was a very nerdy child, so those kind of things tend to be, you know, in mass for me. I've seen all of them. Same with the Nolan ones. Those a little bit more teen, but as Derek said, they're just really not that connected to any of it. Um, it's just a really fucking great trilogy. Again, you kind of get lost in some of the brain stuff. But yeah, overall, very, very great. And then X-Men cartoons. I didn't have comic books oh, at availability. Yeah. Or believe me, I would have been an absolute comic book junkie. But where I lived, you didn't have a comic book store. Not that I was aware of. And if uh, so... There was, one, there was one that opened when we were like 15. But we were into Girls and Weed by then. So it was like yeah. harder to like 
start a comic book fandom at 15 when you're already into girls and weed. Well, and we, I already wasn't fucking cool. So, like, yeah, if we I could have done that, already. I would have just really just had made things even worse for myself. Yeah, that's true. So. And now it's very easy yeah, to be no, into I'm girls, cool. weed, and comic books. Well, right. And at that age, it was, that third one was hard to tag on to the first two. Yeah, along with being socially awkward, that helped. If I were to ask my parents to go to Ann Arbor or somewhere where you could go to a comic book store, I would have been laughed through the fucking roof. Yeah, will you drive me 40 minutes to go browse for comic books? But that's where, like, so... And this yeah, you is kids in, with your internet's ordering of comic books. Well, and I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not shaming my parents here or anything like that. No, but of like, course not. So part of this as well is, like, when my, you know, when my second son was born... That was one of our things. We'd go down to Ann Arbor. We'd make a day out of it. We'd go to Vault of Midnight. And Shut we, up. Yeah. We would go and we would look through the comic store. And he was like, through all of these things that I kind of already loved, um, wanting to, you know, get my son into these things that I probably, I just didn't have access to as a kid. Being able to do that with him, that was special to me again. But it just really just kind of furthered things, you know. Filtering back to where I started with this at the X-Men cartoon, that as a kid was kind of what my kid was able to get. But now we're looking at, you know, my kid was born in uh, second kid, 2014. So by the time he was, you know, three, four years old, he could have, like you said, ordered any of that stuff. Watching the X-Men cartoon when I had him watch that, it was just like, he's not doing it. Yeah. Like, this is dumb dad. Like they made me old animation is tough on this. kids these days. Like, and I get why I get when you're used to the level of animation you see now, it yeah. does look kind of ridiculous. Yeah, but you're missing some good stories, kiddos. Yeah, in you young buckaroos, you're missing like prime juggernaut, like juggernaut, bitch. juggernaut. I mean, that's great stuff. But from there, I mean, really, with like all of this, just going into like my adolescence, I guess you could say, to a early adulthood or even through now, I. I was very similarly brought into it, very similarly to you. Iron Man, Avengers, those were things that I just saw as they came out. Like, they're big, huge movies. I'm going to watch those. And I don't think I actually, funny enough, watched, like, Iron Man 2 or 3 until, like, 2016. You want to know why I saw the first Captain America in theater? It wasn't because I really cared about Captain America at all. It was because I had loved Chris Evans in Not Another Teen Movie so much. So you was, needed to see how that worked out. like Yeah, Chris Evans from Not Another Teen Movie is what lured me to go see that first Captain America. And for the record, I fell in love with that. I loved that movie. Was still America's ass. Was always. But yeah, no, I, I didn't even see that one in theaters. So no clue. Like I said, Thor, luckily missed that one in theaters. Thor 2, missed that one in theaters. And then I think I saw Guardians... Um, I was at home, I'd heard a whole bunch of hubbub around it, and kind of just wondered why a lot of people that I wouldn't even ever expect to watch a movie like that would be watching it, and that really got me. I think at that point, I started actually kind of looking to see if these things were all connected, seeing what we were really looking at there, and that's, like I said, Guardians definitely got me pretty hard. After that, I did watch the original Thor. I'm not proud of it, but I did it. It's not the worst movie. I mean, it's... Thor's okay. Thor 2 okay. is the rough Thor one. Thor 2 mean. is really bad. But Thor 1, if I go back, it's still hey, just sweet, not very good. You get good. sweet time with my beloved queen, Darcy. Yeah. Do- Dr. Darcy now. Big glow up there, by the way. Shout out to the glow up of Dr. Darcy and WandaVision to Doctor, you know? She's really getting there. Yeah. Moving on up, you know? Yeah. 
It was always her trajectory. Took advantage of the blip in a big way. Went and got that doctorate, got her goddamn thing done. Good for her. How many people do you think just like after that just kind of went and like said, this is what I was doing and you just don't have records of it anymore? Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, there's a, there's got to be some, like, gotta be some loopholes, right? Oh, yeah. Tons of loopholes. I would have tried to fucking skate the system hard yeah. when the blip happened if I was one of the non-blipped. If I came back, I, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd ever tell anybody I came back. I'd just be like. I'm just gone. Yeah, no, I'm in the wind like Frank Castle. Damn, Frank. Damn, um, Frank. So Ant-Man, uh, Ragnarok really, 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 really got me too. But this is after I was already, I was pretty fully entrenched after Guardians. Yeah. Ragnarok is just uh, the extra icing on the cake. That's, it might be my favorite MCU movie, pound for pound. What was the first one you and I went to in the theaters together? Because so mm. Mike and I had lost touch for several years as adults too. He had he had children. I had a drinking problem. I things did. went different directions. <laughs> can have those things at one. They're all at once, buddy. Believe me, I promise. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you can. I just uh, my I, so I was a bar. T- I still am, but I was bartending late nights and was drinking heavily the rest of the time. And uh, so Mike and I's lives just didn't intersect there for a good while along the way. But we, uh, over the course of seeing things that we'd post on Facebook, kind of we started catching up. And then a few years ago, I was getting ready to move back to Howell. And I reached out to Mike and was like, hey, I'm going to be in town more often. I know you're still living around there. And we should link up. And we went and got dinner and had a few drinks and bullshit. And uh, one of those friendships that kind of picks up where it left off. And it's kind of just comfortable and easy. And we bullshit right along through the night. And discover that we both were deeply in love with the MCU. Yeah, I mean, we, as we usually do, hop, skip, and jump into nerdy shit. And the funny part about that is that, you know, we would just sit there and have these conversations just like we're having right now. I think that's really what devolved. I'm going to say devolved because this is an idea that's probably not going to be the best for either one of us, but we love it. We just would have these long conversations about the MCU and about what we think is going to happen with it and what were, you know, our aspirations with within it, which is a weird thing to think of, but it just kind of came fluidly, which really brought us to where we are now, where, you know, the last year we're sitting around and actually, like, doing practice takes and, like, yeah, folks, working we, on our we, thing. We've done around 15 to 17 different practice episodes before this, just recorded onto myself or Mike's phone. Yeah. And we just kind of sat there and just j- just so we could listen back and kind of hear what it sounded like. And right. uh, it was a lot of fun. And even f- a couple months before that, we're spent even in our, our Facebook chat talking about concepts for episodes and stuff. So there's been a lot of, we have a lot of ideas locked, cocked, and loaded. This thing isn't going to be one of those podcasts that falls off after six episodes. So don't worry. If you happen to jump in early, you're not going to be left disappointed when we quit making them after six episodes. Because we've got no, a lot of ideas. Five, so. Yeah. I'm quitting at five. That's right. Gotcha. Multiples of five. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's a, it's definitely a labor of love. It's something that we do spend time on every week, believe it or not, uh, no matter how we bad, how bad we are. It's something that we've definitely spent a lot of time on. And, it, again, it just came very, very fluidly. And I'm, I'm, our friendship has always been that way to begin with. So I guess big surprise that this would be any different. Indeed. Through that combination of deep nerd appreciation and friendship and all these things, we're here for you now. We are. Morons of the Motherverse. 
to pick up where this conversation leaves off, jump on over to the next episode, The League, Part 1. You'll hear us talk about our favorite non-powered individuals in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Thanks for checking out Morons of the Multiverse.